Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seeker Birds HQ podcast. And this is podcast episode number 72. And today I have a very special guest joining us from St. Lucia. And her name is Tariba Do Nascimento. Hello, Tariba, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm up and about, actually. I actually had time to run to the bank and run errands before this podcast. So I feel actually very um, <laughs> on top of things today. Yeah, so accomplished. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, we're both in the same time zone here in the Caribbean. What's the weather like in St. Lucia this morning? It's a little bit overcast, which is not an issue for me because it was so hot because we had carnival last week and it was so hot. So the overcast is quite nice. Yeah, it's not too, too, too hot. And we've been getting quite a bit of rain. I mean, it is the rainy season, so. Right. And how was carnival? Fun? Oh, my gosh. Carnival was amazing. I actually just started designing costumes. This year was my second year. Wow. Um, so I have my own section. So it's actually a lot of stress. And I don't know how to design carnival costumes um, that are not extravagant, I suppose. And I put a lot of effort into it. And the second year, I'm like, why did I put all these details into this costume to stress me out? But, you know, when you see it on the road after, after it all, then it's like, wow, you know? And you, you feel the satisfaction and, and all the hard work of everything that you put into it. Yes, yes. And then other people who are in your section, they come up to you and they tell you how beautiful it is. It really feels good, you know? Go and see all these pictures and stuff. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's still my, my steepest learning curve as a designer right now, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It literally takes me a whole year to think of the one design that I have to put out each year. But I'm getting better, I think. Oh, of course. With time, we always get better at our craft. I'm looking at your yep. Instagram, so I'm going to send everybody to your Instagram, which is memmebet.bags. Uh, so M-E-M-E-B-E-T-E.bags. Please correct me. Yes. That's it. Yep. Membet.bags. Yep. And you, award-winning designer of bags and purses, based in St. Lucia, woo, Caribbean brand, as right. Elements Magazine, Italian Vogue, Pride Magazine, UK, and She Caribbean Magazine, which is a big car- magazine here uh, in the Caribbean, which is actually um, based in St. Lucia, She Caribbean. Yes, it is. Yeah. You've got such beautiful, co- beautiful things here. And I'm seeing a costume. I'm assuming this is one that you designed. Yes, so the big back piece, me being extra. Yep. <laughs> It looks gorgeous. Okay, so thank let, you. Let me tell um a little bit of tell everyone a little bit about you. So, um, Membet Bags, okay, Limited was established in two thousand nine by creative director Cariba do Nascimento. This made in St. Lucia brand produces unique pieces using ethnic prints mixed with leather. Uh, Mrs. Do Nascimento began designing bags nine years ago. While- yeah, another place. Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good food, you know. The I, I, best food. I can imagine all the... Uh, Especially for you as a vegan. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You know, and I like injera. I like injera. Yes. Oh, yes. This so, is the best. So, shout out to all the Habisha people listening. And all right. She apprenticed under a young master leathersmith and has since then honed her craft. The designer has also apprenticed in Florence, Italy, the city renowned for producing leather goods of the highest quality. Membet relocated to St. Lucia in 2012 and has gained regional recognition for her work. She is the winner of the 2015 Global Entrepreneurship Week Design Competition, winner of the St. Lucia Chamber of Commerce Entrepreneur of the Year Award for 2016, and received an award for innovation in fashion from the Caribbean Style and Culture Awards in Washington. 
Mem bags have graced the runway of several fashion shows, such as Hot Couture in St. Lucia, Anguilla Fashion Week, Caribbean Fashion Week in Jamaica, Caribbean Style and Culture in Washington, and African Fashion Week in London. The bags are currently sold online, as well as in Tortola and various locations island-wide. Dona Cimento's national pride is at the front, forefront of all her designs as she also uses local materials, including madras. We love madras. Yep. Her masterpieces. You know, I went to a, when I lived in London, I went to a really nice exhibit about madras and it showed how, it, how it's expanded all over the world, starting out in India, but how, India, you, find yeah. it, how you find it in Scotland and now in yep. it, it was an amazing, amazing um, exhibition. That, sound, that sounds interesting. Wow. It's really good. And the recently launched Green Gold Collection pays homage to the banana era where historic trade agreements allowed the small island to prosper. The style aesthetic is drawn from the vibrant colors and art found in and around St. Lucia. As a face of her own brand, Donacimento believes that fashion as a movement is gaining a stronghold in the local economy and constantly advocates for changes to ensure that local designers can thrive. Yeah. So that's all right. So tell us a little bit about you, who you are, how did you get into Ethiopia and then to Florence and doing all these amazing things that you're doing now? All right. Well, I think my journey kind of mirrors everyone else's journey where you, you start off one way and then get this, I don't know, light bulb in your head and do a complete 180 career change because I started off as a, I'm a project manager by profession. So I started off studying international development studies at um, University of Toronto in Scarborough. And I remember it was, you know, you know, you know how we are in the islands, you know, we overachievers, we're like uber yeah. academics, you know, you always have to be bright, top your class and stuff. So I got into this limited enrollment program that only took like 40 people worldwide. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, yes, I make it. Uh-huh. I joined this program. Um, it had a lot of issues. Um, I remember we were doing a bit of a, a protesting because there was issues surrounding safety for women when you did your internship overseas and stuff mm-hmm. and like halfway through it all i'm like why am i stressing myself out at this point in time the only reason i'm still sticking to this is because it's limited enrollment and i just need to tell people you know i got into this limited enrollment program so i switched my major to english because i figured you know what let me stay in university and just enjoy my university and do what i love so i ended up graduating in a specialist degree in english literature I had enough credits to still declare a second major in international development studies. I was not like totally not wanting to do development studies. It's just that the program, I didn't quite like it. It was just like a hodgepodge of courses they just threw together to make a degree. I didn't see the relevance of a whole lot of it. So I went on to do um, international uh, project management postgraduate certificate at Humber College. And that was definitely, I mean, I don't know if you know, in, in, in Canada, like college and university are two different things. It's not like in the U.S. So college tends to be a lot more technical. You actually learn stuff, you know, then you leave college and you can actually do things. Whereas when you leave university, you can actually, you can only talk about things that you could probably do if you knew how to, you know. The Canadian system is based on the British system. So it's the same idea. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I did that college certificate and it also had a an internship component and um, I got an internship to, st- to, um, to train or to assist in a training program that trained um, Ethiopian businesswomen to become export ready. Mm. And let me tell you how this, this job was just there for me. I don't know what VAP, like I literally woke up one morning and I'm like, I'm going to Ethiopia. There were no Ethiopian jobs posted, none whatsoever. 
and I had been um, volunteering at Save the Children Canada. And I just stumbled upon a bulletin that says, you know, they're taking two girls, one in Ethiopia and one somewhere else. And I'm like, you mean to tell me this job has been right next to me this entire time? So I sent in my resume and um, the lady who was in charge of it was a South African woman. And then I mentioned to her, I'm like, I saw the posting and I, you know, I applied. I just wanted to let you know. And she's like, really, you applied? Okay, this is great. You know, she's like, we have to make sure black girls get through. And she took my resume literally from the bottom of the pile and put it right on the top. So that's when I knew, I'm like, okay, this is beyond meant to be at this point. So I went across to Ethiopia and um, I mean, I'm, I'm 37, right? So you have to understand like back in the day, it wasn't about starting your own business. Like, I, I, you know, like there was not much respect for people who <laughs> started their own businesses. The only people who had their own businesses were like, I suppose, like, old money families yes. it's almost as if like if you started a business now it's because you couldn't find a job and it's kind of like oh you can get a job or he will you know how they say they say he works for himself which yeah, is yeah. such a stupid way a lot of people to it you know yes. so in my head it was like you know you graduate from university you have to come home and get the big government job because that's just how it works you know mm-hmm. but then when i went to ethiopia i saw all these women taking this leap and just running their own businesses some women younger than me older than me and and, and for me it was absolutely fascinating my father was a businessman right he had a charter company and stuff and in my head i always thought oh my god never never make an own business you know that kind of way but then I saw it in a different light, you know, and I was just so um, impressed by these women. I was like, you know, I marveled at them and um, it started off as just me. Okay, let me try and do a little something there because I have student loans to pay. You know, I'm just on internship money. So I started off just designing and, you know, the leather industry is big in Ethiopia. They're um, um, leather workers all over the place. You could bring your designs, they make it for you, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I started that way. just want to um, participate in a little bazaars and trade fairs and stuff and that time facebook i guess was was something so i started posting on facebook and doing my little thing and then um i had my son mm-hmm. right and then i said um you know language barriers and all this story i'm not exactly going to just um go back to work right away i, I mean that was my intention right i was like you know uber woman like i am just going straight back to office work that's what i thought at the time but then when i came to my senses i'm like if I had the opportunity to be able to stay home with my son and build something for myself, I'm going to take that option instead. And that is when I started going full, like proper full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I did it in Ethiopia for about two years. And then this, this, this guy, he saw me at um, the guy who really taught me. He saw me at my, one of my first bazaars and he's like, I want to come to your workshop because I love your work. I'm like, I don't have no workshop. Somebody's making them for me. He's like, you don't stitch. I'm like, no, I can't. He's like, don't you know how to use a sewing machine? I'm like, yeah, I can sew dresses a little bit. He's like, my friend, if you can sew a dress, you can sew a bag. Mm. So he's like, I'm going to take you to the market. I'm going to introduce you to the merchants. All right, I'm going to take you to buy a machine, and I'm going to show you where you get stuff. I'm going to teach you. And we just created this fantastic bond. Um, if you go on my YouTube channel, there's a small video called Meet Fitzum. Fitzum is his name. Okay. Uh, just a little short five minutes on Fitzum speaking about how we met and you know, he always said that it was my destiny to do these bags. He had been saying that from day one, back before I was into my crystals and my full moon. He was like, my friend, this is your destiny. You don't even realize. And when I moved back to Senusha in 2012, thinking that was the end of Membet, um, I would call him to make a few things for me and he would send them across. 
And he was like, you need to quit this job. This, is, this work is no good. This is no good work for you. He kept saying it over and over and over again. And like when I moved back to Sanusha, I didn't realize the buzz I'd already created. And people would see me and they would stop me and they'd be like, oh, finally, I can get my bag. Now that you're here, I can't wait. And like people would come up to me very, I had one friend who come up to me very matter of fact. And she's like, I, I'd like to order a diaper bag, please. She's one of my earliest customers. She's a fire woman now. Her name is Stacey. She's like, I need a diaper bag for my daughter. I'm doing August. Like, like giving me no option. And I'm like, can I even make that? And I still make it today. It's named after her daughter. It's called the Sachi bag. Sachi is like, what, seven, six, seven, mm. you know? Um, so it was that kind of belief in me that really pushed me to actually say, okay, I can do this. So in 2016, which at this point is probably like the third or fourth rebirth of Mimbit, that's when I quit my job, rented a space, hired staff, and just like took like the full on plunge and just, you know, to dive headfirst into all of this. And it's been, it's been great. I mean, it's been a steady climb, but um, there's always a point in time when you realize you can't keep doing the two jobs because... They'll, they'll reach a point where you cannot excel in either because you just don't have the time to dedicate to one. And, and one of them is either going to stay at the same level or one of them is going to suffer. So my contract was coming to an end. I said, you know what, this is high time. Let me not renew. My boss, who I enjoyed working with so much, she also left. So I figured, you know what, let me just leave as well because, I mean, apart from that, it was a fantastic working environment. I loved my job. I was a, a project manager with the European Union funded projects in, in St. Lucia. It was a fantastic job. I had lovely coworkers and everything, but my boss left and I'm like, you know, things are going to change. It's not going to be the same. I think it's high time. Let me just and done with that. So I got, wait, where were you living at the time? This was in St. Lucia. Okay, you were in St. Lucia. Okay. Yeah. Cause I moved back in, to St. Lucia in 2012 and From it's in, from Ethiopia, yes. And I worked for four years of the, uh, the EU office. Okay. And um, <clears throat> that's when in 2016, I said, okay, that's enough. Let me, um, let me leave and let me try and do something for myself. Yeah. Wow. So what was your experience like living in Ethiopia? Ethiopia, I think I had several experiences. <clears throat> when I first came as an intern, I was free, single, and disengaged. Um, I had no zero responsibilities, really. So it was like go and do the work and go party in the night, like every single night, religiously. Um, it was very, very, very cheap. Um, <clears throat> the exchange rate, the inflation wasn't so bad. The rent was cheap. I didn't even own, own a comb and a brush. I would go to the hairdresser every morning. Every day I looked like I was going to a wedding. I swear to you, they have the best hairdressers there. Yeah. I wore my hair straight. If you see on my Instagram, I have a lot of big, curly, natural hair. Yes. Them people, bosses with that flat iron, let me tell you, eh? and the, with the climate, your hair stays straight. So, you know, every day I just walk to the salon, <clears throat> pay the equivalent of like a US, uh -huh. a two US maybe, and get that flip looking like far faucet. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Going to work. And so that was just the party. And I traveled a lot. I went to Zambia. I went to South Africa. I did a couple of trips. I went to Kenya while I was an intern. And then I met my, <clears throat> then I left for about uh, eight months I had met my 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 husband my now husband uh towards the end of my internship and I left and then I came back just to try and see it is man serious you know what I mean mm -hmm. <laughs> and then then that was a different that was a different phase of my 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 life because things got a little more serious I got a job at the Canadian embassy on the um what do you call it program support unit for um, CEDA, Canadian International Development Agency, that was based out of the, the embassy. So that was more of a serious job. So, you know, then professional life got a little more professional and then relationship got a little more serious. 
And then I went back to Canada to have my son. And then I came back and I was a different life in Ethiopia. Things got very expensive. Um, a lot of my friends had left. I also felt like things had changed. Like people were so segregated because when we first came, everybody used to party if everybody, like every house party was a nice big melting pot. There were all these, um, interns from the ECA from all different African countries. And we would all be partying together, the white people, the black people partying together. And then by the time I came back, it was very different. You'd go somewhere and you, you would be the only black person there in the expat group and it was never like that yeah in the i'm talking about like lyman amongst the expats right it was never like that before it was very 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 bizarre and it was like all this techno music and stuff and back when we used to party it was this full-on african so a little disappointing for me how things changed so at that point i guess with child and husband and everything then it kind of just you know mm. changed into motherhood and stuff but then you met your husband in ethiopia as well <laughs> I did meet him in Ethiopia. He's from Angola. Um, I met him there. We were young and partying the same way. And, and, you know, like everything else, it just got more and more serious. And, yeah. Okay. Wow. Ethiopia. I would love to visit Ethiopia one day. It's, on my it's a very interesting place. Let me tell you, that place has changed so much since I went. I mean, I went there in 2005. Was it 2005, 2006? Yeah. And the place has changed tremendously because even after we got married, he was still posted there and I was back in St. Lucia. So I would go back every so often. And I saw every time I'd get in my vehicle and drive off, I would like get lost. It's like new highways and flyways and byways and trains and stuff. Like the place is looking like outer space, you know, high rises and yeah. A lot of um, development in... And, and it's rapid. I have never seen that before. In, like serious rapid development. Because me going back and forth when I lived in Ethiopia, going back and forth um, Ethiopia, Senusha, that level of infrastructural development was not happening in Senusha. The way it was, when it was the reverse with Ethiopia, I tell you, rapid. The Chinese just came in with yeah. the money and so it was pretty amazing, when, man. When we were growing up, Ethiopia was just like, oh, it's a very poor country, blah, blah, blah. That same narrative, but now it's, it's one of But I mean, to be, to be fair, it still is. Because the disparity is, is ridiculous, right? Because you will have a, a diplomat's house or even an embassy with the high concrete uh, wall gate and the electric wires on the top. And then you'd have like a family of three destitute sitting outside begging. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> infrastructure is one thing. But I mean, I mean that, that country, I mean, for the number of people in, this con in that country... I don't know. It's it's a it's a, it's a, a, a very daunting task for any government, even even if it's the best government in the world, to try to create some sort of um, equilibrium among among peoples. You know. Yeah. Well, they recently signed their a uh, historic. Well, what they're calling it historic peace deal with Eritrea. So it looks with like Eritrea, yes, yes, and that that should help. That should help tremendously because yes. Eritrea has the port mm. before everything had to pass through Djibouti. Right, everything. So that's why it was very difficult when I had my son for the imports. Like you go to a supermarket, you get used to one type of formula, then that formula you don't get it anymore, and then you have to switch. You know, kids, you don't just switch things on babies like that. You know, yeah. like I would travel to London and I would come back with like suitcases full of formula and diapers. You know what I mean? Just like a lot of little things. Like you could have all the money, but then it's still a difficult life at times. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But interesting and good experience. I like when... It was an amazing experience. It wasn't amazing. I'm still in love with the food. I still am to this day. 
and the bear. They have very good bear. I'm a huge bear drinker. I love bear. And Ethiopia has very, very good bear. Let me tell you, huh? Yes. Were you ever mistaken for Ethiopian? Because you could all the time. Yeah. All the time, all the time, all the time. And now that um, my husband is in Virginia around the DMV area and stuff, like, yeah, people mistake me. In the neighborhood where, where the house is, like, there are lots of Ethiopians and they all, like, greet me, you know? Yeah. When Salam, when they see me. I, I, I respond because I can, but I, in my head I'm laughing. I'm like, haha, you yeah. don't even know I'm not Habesha. <laughs> When I lived in D.C., because like you said, there's a lot of, um, like just generally Habesha people there. I remember there were these girls, my friends and I used to call them the Triniopians because they were so obsessed uh-huh. with Soka and Carnival. And That's Hitler. hilarious, yeah. So we used to call them the Triniopians. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I've seen a bunch of them when I had a few parties I've been to. I did do D.C. Jouvet once and there were quite a few of those. That's true. Actually, a friend of mine, my friends who live in D.C., when they came for Carnival this year in Sanusha, they came for an Ethiopian friend of theirs who was all up in the sauce. Yeah. Of course, of course. Which, which I think is good. Lots of mixing amongst all the cultures. I of think. course. Yeah, man. That's how, that's how we, we build, you know, camaraderie and, and tolerance and love, you know? Absolutely. So let's jump into the topic then. So today we're going to... Oh, yes. <laughs> the limitations of being a designer in a small economy whilst trying to compete internationally so yeah what is that like because saint lucia is i mean in the caribbean context it's, it's, it's a big country i mean it's much bigger than many of the other islands in the caribbean but globally it's a small nation yeah, you know i mean you think of it big in size but in terms of the population like barbados has way more people than we do you know so i mean you're trying to you know, when you talk about niche market in a place of 180,000 people, I mean, that's not a lot of shoppers, you know? So the population of St. Lucia is how big you said? hundred and... I think about 180 right now. Wow, that's it. That is it, yes, because the way, the, the topography of the island, we only live around the coast because the interior is too mountainous and too much rainforest. So don't let the size mislead you into thinking we're some... You know, big masses. You know, it's it's, it's the numbers that matters, right? So, yeah. and that's because I guess you mean the pitons, the the mountains, and all of that. It's the mountains, yeah, all yeah. It's 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 a bit of a challenge. The whole big. This it's a mountainous island, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> they have some houses on the side of rocks. Sometimes you have to wonder how they even get there. You know. So most people live in the capital then. Um, no, we live on the coast. It's not so much the capital. It's just that we live just around the edge of the island. Okay. You know, up and down. So at any point in time you're driving and you're probably going to see the sea. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. the interior is too dense. There's certain communities you go, like Babono, but I mean, there's only so far you can go in until you kind of reach a, like a, a block. So yeah. I'm sure in like 20 years, the, all these places will have people and stuff. But a lot of these places are protected. Eh? We have our bird, our Amazon, color. We have our endemic animals. So yeah. Yeah. So what has that experience been for you then, trying to build this international brand in a small economy? It's difficult. Um, I mean, it's one thing about Sanusian people, and this, this is changing eh, among the young people. I have to say that first, that it's changing. But the level of patriotism that we have compared to other islands like, say, Jamaica, it's not the best. Really? Okay, and you know, it's not, we're not die hard. You know, Jamaican, you can't say nothing about it. I can't even say I don't like Aki and Sophie, Jamaican ready to jump down my throat. So, Lucians will be the first people to probably, you know, 
critique something about Tenusha in a, in a, in a platform, I suppose, um, for other people to hear, but that has been changing so much now, good. right? Which is a good thing. So that has been very beneficial to me. I find a lot of people come in, especially when they're going overseas and they bring in gifts for their family and they always say, you know, we need to show the people overseas that we have good stuff in Senusha too. So the national, you know? pride, national pride has been a problem, you, you think? I th yeah, in, especially when I just started, but that uh, I, I see the change in that now. You know, because then you get the people who will say something like, all that money for a local thing, nah, that the solution thing, you charge us so much money, like as if like because it's local, it's supposed to be cheap, mm. you know? And, then, and I, that, that was always been something that I had to defend you know, because I use leather and it's labor intensive, a lot of my work, you know, so the, the, the price point and in, in the grand scheme of things, my things are not even that expensive, <clears throat> but my price point was an issue. But you know what I did when I realized my price point was an issue? Mm. I raised my prices. <laughs> and for some other reason, they sell so much better at the higher price because I guess this is, I don't know, this, this, I, 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 I don't understand marketing and behavioral patterns shopping and stuff like that but i eventually raised my prices and then it seemed as if that helped there's a certain air of exclusivity i suppose and then a certain level of quality attached to that price so that's a lot of pressure on me as well to make sure i deliver a good quality product too but um that has helped and you know you find that people specifically coming and saying i rather support local i rather buy local because at the end of the day i can export as much as i want my local market has to cover my my, my bottom line my baseline you know, I'm supposed to be able to sell locally in Senusha to cover my salaries and my rent and my day-to-day runnings. And my exporting is supposed to be my added bonus. That's how I look at it. Mm. You know what I mean? I want it to be a, a Senusha-driven brand. I Senusha-owned, Senusha-created, made and everything. But I also want it to be Senusha-driven, yeah. you know, that, that people, you know, love it. And then, you know, tourists are like, what's there to do? And then people will be like, oh, you need to buy a membered bag. It's made in Senusha. You know, that's what we make. You know, that's, that's the vision I see for membered. Like, you know, putting Senusha on the map fashion-wise. You know, kind of like Bridget Sandals. Yes. You know, you go to Jamaica and you have to buy a Bridget Sandals. I want people to know when it comes to Senusha, they have to buy a membered. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I see. I want to ask you a quick question. Why do you think it is that some countries in the Caribbean, you've mentioned, for example, Jamaica, have such a sense of national pride and some countries don't? What do you think that, where do you think I think, I think Jamaica puts resources in things that other islands don't, like the music, the art, mm -hmm. the sports. Mm -hmm. These are things that are just a joke in Senusha, sadly. Yeah? Mm -hmm. um, it's going to, the first person and I know it's coming soon, that's going to win an Olympic medal in Senusha, it's probably going to change sports around for Senusha because it's never been something that has been heavily invested in. And we've always been the type of people who just jump on the bandwagon elite. So, um, so rather than pump resources into the youth so they can excel in sports, when one person excels, then they'll be like, oh, and then they will. I mean, so, I mean, you, you, I don't know. I guess you guys have medalists and stuff. We don't. I mean, you can't imagine what I would do for a country on an international stage to hear your national anthem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And see somebody excelling. I mean, art is the soul of the people. Dance, art, music. I mean, so much is, you know, is done in that aspect in Trinidad and Jamaica. In St. Lucia, I mean... This it's like an afterthought. It's a joke. We had a Ministry of Creative Industries, you know, new government that has been gone, and you really did see a difference when that ministry came. 
as little and as slow as it was, it made a difference. And it was a, such a good start. But, you know, if politics, you have to change what was there before, not because you need to, but because you feel you have to, because you're now in power and you have to show that, you know, you have better ideas. So you take out the good and the bad. It's, it's really unfortunate. But um, I think that has a lot to do with, 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 your, with growing a sense of pride when you see your people excelling and you see your people excelling outside and you see other people reacting to how your people are excelling and giving them their props and their kudos. That will make anybody feel good. And at this point, we don't, we, we, we don't quite have that. We have Darren, Sammy. I mean, you can count on your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our Darren, Sammy. We have our Denry Soka music, that's, uh, Denry segment music that's finally permeating outside and into the different islands, which was something that had so much fight down before from the same people who want to come and talk about how it's so great now, this, that, that, that. When them fellas started doing that, type of music with the raunchy lyrics and real rudimentary beats and stuff like that. I've always been a fan and I always used to say, that is the music that's going to put Sunshine on the map. And everyone's like, no, they want to do them silly, terrible copy of Trinidad, Groovy, Soka and, you know, act like, yeah, it's going to make it and look and look now. But still for that, them fellas doing it on their own in their little thing in their friend's studio in his bedroom with the sock on the microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these are the people that everyone's talking about, but they're still not getting the support to take their craft from here to there. You know, yes. I, I mean, I can go on and on. I can go on and on about this because it, it grinds my bones, clearly. Yes, you sound frustrated, but tell us, okay, so what are some of the limitations then of, of trying to build this international brand? I mean, limitations will include the fact, like access to raw materials. I mean, you know, people always want to talk about, you know, local materials but the local materials are still imported half the time unless you're making jewelry from seeds we don't have no local fabric industry to say you buying fabric not even to say fabric that is printed or hand dyed or anything to say that we can use our traditional fabric madras there are times you can't find that on the island at all you know Mm. and that's supposed to be our traditional fabric because that's imported everything is imported the blap the sack that we look at as, as as like a locally a local feel, that's imported. We don't make that. And then apart from the fact that you need to import to create, the duties are so high, okay? So at least for me, I benefit because the leather carries no, no import duty. You just pay your VAT and your service charge. Fabric has 5% import duty, and then you pay your, 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 your service charge. So that's not too bad. But then on my hardware and everything else and all my other imports, you pay 40% import duty alone on these things. So how do you think that's going to affect the price of your finished product? And then you have all these made-in-China things coming in for cheap, competing with you, and all these big companies are going to get their concessions for bringing in these, these things. You can get a duty-free brand name land bag, for instance, right? Duty-free. Meanwhile, you know, I have to pay all kind of duties on my imports to make my bag. I mean, these are the type of things that are just absolutely unfair in terms of how local industries are being nurtured. Now, there are, <clears throat> there are programs that you can apply for concessions, but it's, it's like you apply for a concession, okay, at, at a one-time concession that has to go all the way to cabinet for approval. You can't run a business like that, not knowing if you're going to get the concession next year. You know what I mean? I just feel like it should be something that's a stamp. I'm a manufacturer. Boom, this is me. When I go and clear my stuff, I, I get it, you know? I shouldn't have to have to every year go and, 
anyways, one, <laughs> one thing that irritates me about that. And also, um, support, you know what I mean? Just, just support, just like, you know, access to trade shows, get the group going to trade shows. The only thing you see that for really is tourism, hotels and stuff like that. But I mean, <clears throat> you have like very one or two agencies doing so much of the work and it is not fair to them and they do it on such a small budget. I can tell you TIPA does amazing work and um, I can tell you the Small Business Development Center, they do amazing work as well. But these are just two drops in the bucket with such a small budget trying to appease so many local industries and help them grow you know there's so much that's needed we need training just like uh, courses and you know i like to send my staff on training i have not heard of a training in a long time and simple little things customer service human resource manager it don't need to be anything fancy and then you you reach out to the agencies and they tell you they're like oh my god our budget has been cut our budget has been cut mm. right so they're cutting the budget that's supposed to help us right and in the meantime, you have these big international companies coming in and they get concessions. They, you know, renting land for a dollar, like stupid things. And then you find other islands, like in Jamaica, for example, where they have the, um, what do you call them? Because I just met Bongs up with a, um, a, a, a designer in Jamaica and she was telling me how she rents the space, <clears throat> the shared space. Remind me of what it's called. Oh, you mean like um, a working space, shared working space? Yeah. A shared working space where it's like a one big warehouse and they can partition it. Yeah, the shared economy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a fancy name for it and it's it's going to bother me that I'm not remembering. It's called something working. Um, what's it called? I know it'll come, it'll come to me. Yeah, and this is sub cluster groups. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, cluster groups. And this is something that we've been speaking about even when I was at the EU. Mm -hmm. working on projects on the other end of, this, of, of the, the, the process, you know, trying to get funding for different things. And then people then do cluster groups moving on to, you know, the next phase or the next newest thing in, 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 in creating cottage industries and stuff. And we're still fighting to get it done. Even a country like Haiti, when I've gone to different symposiums and things around the region and you listen to the, the, the Haitian people, and the amount of support they get. I mean, they laugh at us. Like, I, this girl literally laughed when I was telling her about the duties, how things work. She could not wrap her head around it. She was talking about so much. Like, she has, she says she's, her, her biggest issue is that she does not have enough demand because her output is so high because there are so many places that she could go for manufacturing and stuff in Haiti. And, and I'm saying to myself, me and my... People think Haiti is just this like four bucks. No, 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 no. I mean, every every island has its strength, and yeah. let me tell you, Haiti in certain aspects, they're light years ahead of us. You know, in certain aspects, and that's and that's the truth. But we, you know, we would not want to go to Haiti to learn best practices because you know it's it's oh, I'm sorry, it's Haiti. But I mean, these people are brilliant when it comes to their arts and their, their craft. They put their fashion, Haiti Fashion Week, the carnival. Even when you look at the carnival and how traditional it is in the costumery and stuff like that, and we still just that try and copy Brazil with, with, with bikinis, beads, and feathers. You know what I mean? I mean, they, I mean, the the mind like we 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 not on these people level at all. Yeah. You know, but I mean, just to put together a cluster group, a place where designers can have like one shared space and give us make us pay like a nominal a nominal fee for rent and stuff like that. That's something too hard to do. No, up to now, and they have all this warehouse space that's empty. We have a lot of abandoned. We have a lot of abandoned factories because back in the day we had. Um, we used to sew for 
Fredericks of Hollywood and Old Navy, Victoria's Secrets, Gap. We have all of these workers just sitting around the place mm-hmm. and you can't mobilize people so that if anybody had to, any of our designers had to get a huge order, they won't be able to fulfill it locally. They'll have to go elsewhere. It's not like we don't have the talent, but I mean, these are all these things that just, you know, you, you reach a certain point and I'm sure a lot of designers may have told you so. You reach a certain point where you just feel like you can go no further. Mm. You know, there's a serious glass ceiling in terms of how you grow. Right. You know what I mean? And it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because you see the potential in your business. You understand how people respond to you and you just see, but I just cannot get any further than that. I mean, the grants are not there. The, the loans, uh, forget about getting a business loan for fashion, forget about it. The only person that probably give it to you is one of them fast cash places with their like 165 million percent interest, you know? Mm. No bank going to give you anything for that, you know? You could have your order and your, your receipt and your down payment and you're just looking for some mobilization fee to get something done. You have to go to friends and family. Yeah, so we're just a bunch of people just relying on friends and family to get it done. The hopes that we're going to get a big break sometime. Yeah. Right? And then they will see it. And then they will jump on the bandwagon and be like, yes, Membet is such an inspiration. And then they'll want to come and start wanting to put you everywhere, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, a theme across the Caribbean where it's like you, people, this, there's a mistrust until you blow up, quote unquote. And yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> but if you blow up at that point, you don't need your, their help anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and that's, that's what they keep doing. If I blow up, I don't need your help. I should be helping other people at that point. You oh, understand? Yeah, definitely. But what, so what, what then happens when you reach that ceiling? Is that when we see designers leaving and moving to Europe? That is exactly what happens. And then that's when you will say, hey, you remember that girl that used to make those nice dresses? What became of that girl? Yeah, I heard she has a job there, so and so. She sews for people off and on. Like, I know people who, I mean, we had, we had our very first um, fashion show, Hot Couture. Even that we don't even have anymore. As for that, that show, that fashion show was growing to be one of the biggest fashion shows in St. Lucia. That thing was top-notch. Of course, they don't have it again, for whatever reason, government change, politics, whatever. We don't even have a proper way to showcase fashion in St. Lucia. That doesn't even exist right now. Like I even say we have one national fashion show. Mm. Anyways, um, yeah, I can think of people from the first hot couture who no longer design. Mm. They, just don't, they just don't design because it's like, well, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, what really is the point? But I always tell people, <clears throat> I may not be the best at what I do. I know there are people who sew way better than I do. But I'm just very determined. Right, and I think that is what's going to push me far. Just the determination and the stick to itiveness that, like, I don't know how to fail. It's not in me. I don't even know how to. Even if I wanted to try, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I fail at failing. That make any sense? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I fail at failing, so I'm going to stick, and I'm going to stick, and I'm seeing the improvements. I remember the first year was okay. I think that was 2016. It was okay to end of December. 2017, I think, was a disaster for me. I'll, I'll, only my close friends know how stressful that year was for me financially, and I don't even know how I made it. I really don't know. Owing people over the place, the banks were less than um, kind to me, um, and I still had my bills. I had my mortgage, my student loan, my car loan, my credit card. Yeah. Um, and then now, I have no credit card. I paid it off. I cut it, shred it, burnt it to shreds. And I have two more payments on my car loan. 
And I'm saying to myself, wow, look at me. Look, look at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I made it. So, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just biding my time, taking my time. I'm grateful that I, I'm living at home with my parents that one less thing to worry about because for me to go on a rent with my two children and try to build this business would be difficult now. I'm grateful that my husband is supportive and is allowing me to, you know, <clears throat> stick around and try to get this done, you know, because it will be beneficial to, to all of us, right? Right, right. Yeah. So what are some of the solutions then? What exactly does St. Lucia need, in your opinion, or small economies? Because I imagine it's not just St. Lucia. There are a lot of small economies that are battling throughout the region and throughout the world that are battling with the same, the same type of issues. So what do you think well, needs to happen? Is it about having bodies that represent the fashion industry? Is what exactly? Of course. Yeah, of course, a body that represents the fashion industry. I mean, St. Lucia is one of the few countries with an actual fashion council. So many of the islands don't even have a fashion council. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> fashion councils reach out to other fashion councils for opportunities. In the absence of somebody to reach out for, you're going to miss all these opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not everything is a cash in hand thing because you know you can give somebody 10 grand now and they can totally squander it i mean i know how money magically disappears from my hand but even just making the concessions easier um the cluster groups you know the space the warehouse space for young entrepreneurs they have that space together um where we can all work from and then it, it builds that camaraderie and then we're able to share information and stuff because we actually do get along i don't know what about other industries but i can tell you the fashion designers in solution they don't have no beef mm-hmm. well, a lot of us talk to each other all the time we call we vent mm-hmm. My, i just saw one had this fantastic cutting machine on her instagram i called her within 30 seconds I'm like yo where did you get this and she told me we don't have this beef so you know that's good though. we would happily yeah we would tell you in some islands you do have and some countries rather and not just in the caribbean throughout the world this kind of uh, we don't trust each other we don't get along there's no way because at the end of the day if one of us make it all of us make it i mean i'm a bag designer when i travel when i go to events i try to get the local clothing designers to make my wardrobe for me at least to match my bag so we can cross promote these are the things that we do all the time good, good, good. No, these are things that we do all the time so i mean making the concessions easier the cluster groups a larger budget for the agencies that are really trying to help us is also good you know what I mean? And I mean, <clears throat> there's certain things, like I always say, um, we're not really looking for a handout. If an opportunity exists and you tell me it's going to cost me $500 and it's a good opportunity, you don't think I'm going to go and pull that $500 from where I have to pull it from? You know, it's not all the time that we just want like freeness and free things. But if you, they had a better budget and they can offer a service to us in some sort of cost-sharing way that we pay some and then they foot the bill for the rest. And that, that, that also was because we are business people, right? We're all we're business entities and we, we understand that we need to invest in ourselves, you know? So, I mean, I would like to see the creative industries, Ministry of the Creative Industries come back because it, it gave us a space where we knew we, where we, a place where we belonged, where we knew we could go to. And it was a lot of young people in there, so it was not as, you know, formal. You literally could just strip in inside then if they had the time of they weren't too busy. They listened to you right away. And they had a small grant facility where you could get money for a few things here and there. And that was fantastic. Um, um, what are the solutions that I can think of? You know, they treat us the way they treat the foreign companies. Mm. I, mean, I mean, that would be fantastic, right? 
Just treat us the way, be excited about us the way you're excited about the investment in the foreign companies, you know, so that we can get at least one-tenth of the amount of, 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 of you know, assistance that the government provides for them. That's and the younger, all of these things. And the younger generation of St. Of Lucian designers, what about them? Those who are up and coming? How can well, I think... I think we are all up and coming. Eh? I think no matter how long you've been designing, you're still a startup. Because yeah. next year going to be 10 years of Mehmet. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm still a startup. Yeah. All right. So I, I may be older than the younger ones, but we're probably in the same, the same point in our careers, yeah. quite frankly, because of that, 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 that blockage, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think training is also important. Um, and I think not only, it's like business training. You know when you are creative? Yeah, the business side of the of, of it all is the most difficult side for us. Yes, yeah. right. To struggle with the business side of things. They struggle. I mean, let me tell you, I just hired an accountant. Eh? Yeah. Just, just I tell you, remember, it'll be ten years next year. I just hired an accountant to do like the past three years of my accounts for me, because wow. and I tell you, my stuff is all over the place. It's just, I was so embarrassed when she came, and she was like, "Oh, don't worry, she's seen worse." <laughs> Oh she's actually seen worse from bigger companies but you know even that business training for creatives um and just also uh training on finishing <clears throat> because when i went to when i finally went to florence to do this apprenticeship training i had been designing bags for about seven years mm-hmm. and when i got there the lady was making me make this simple basic cloth bag and I was trying to tell her, oh, that will not be necessary because, you know, I've been making bags for several years. And, you know, I just want to do something. And she's like, nope, 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 nope. We're starting from the beginning. And when we made that little fabric bag, it was amazing to me how much I did not realize that I did not know and how much I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you self-taught, you kind of figure out a way to do things in your head that you think, I suppose, could be the best way to do it. But actually, there is a better way and there is a, a perfect way. So I thought that was very beneficial for me. And I, I, and I would encourage all self-taught people, no matter how much YouTube that you watch, you know, and the tutorials that you can find online, to so go and do a little, I mean, it could be like a one-week intensive course. These things exist and they're so helpful, you know, just to, you know, tweak the finishing to just make sure that your products are at the international standards, etc. Another important thing is the, the linkages between tourism and local industries, mm-hmm. something that we've been fighting for for years, yes. right? You go into a lot of the hotel gift stores, and it's a lot of imported stuff. You know, a few of, more of the, more, the, more of the boutique hotels are the ones that would have the made in St. Lucia stuff. Mm. The larger chain is like a fight to get your stuff inside of there. But that's what you want, though. <clears throat> At the end of the day, a tourist comes to St. Lucia because they want to see St. Lucia in all aspects, right? Exactly. So even if it's to see Senusha in the gift store, because they're all inclusive and they do have no intention of leaving the resort, that's fine. But you have to bring Senusha to them if they're not going to go out to look for it. Yeah. Now, I'm on TripAdvisor. Okay. My shop is in the center of Castries. So I actually get the tourists. Um, I don't know if you know Senusha, the cruise ships dock like right in the center of town. Yeah. So it's literally a three-minute walk from the, the wedding dock to my place, three, five-minute walk. And um, we do get the more adventurous tourist trips in, in which is great. Yeah. And it's the type of thing they need to encourage because you want the tourist dollar to filter out all throughout the economy, right? That's what's going to make it sustainable. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't have no money to, to put on a cruise ship a flyer for Membet, you know? 
that's the type of thing that I would, I would like to know that my government would probably have a nice where to go, where to eat in St. Lucia, right? And even if it's some, like I said, some sort of shared course and they come and say, okay, they're putting together this to put on Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Do you want to buy an ad space? We're subsidizing it for you. I'd be like, hell yeah, you know? Yeah. So it is a lot of little things, you know? There's a lot of little ideas that could work, you know? <clears throat> so what That's what I, that, uh, I mean, I could go on and on, but... No, those were good. Thank you so much. So what parting words do you have for our audience who are all women entrepreneurs starting out in business, particularly in your field? And yeah, what would you like to share with them other than what you've already said? I mean, um, I would say prepare yourself for the best and prepare yourself for the worst. Because especially with social media, particularly Instagram, everybody is supposedly living their best life <laughs> and it's all, you know, fun and games and joy and everything. But the work is just so hard and so taxing, right? And as much as, you know, I get a lot of messages from people saying they admire me mm-hmm. and admire this, that, that. And sometimes I had to bring them down a notch and I had to let them know, I have been home all day with chest pains today because I could not take the stress because this happened at work, blah, 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 blah. And I said, just prepare yourself that there are going to be days like this and not because today I posted a picture of me smiling by the beach with my, my, my castor oil and my cocoa butter hair and all this crap. doesn't mean that I'm not struggling, you know? Because if you prepare your mindset that there are going to be those hard days, it will allow you to stick, stick to it and weather the storm. Because I think um, those of us who stick to it, there'll be less of us at the top and there's going to be less competition. So it kind of works in our favor in that sense. But in the same breath, I would like, there's too many talented people pushing papers behind a desk Mm. because they just gave up. Yeah. Yeah? Talent should never, talent should never be wasted. They say a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Talent is a terrible thing to waste. You know, and I like to see everybody living, living their dreams through the talents that God has given them. So just learn to weather the storm. There's a lot of prayers. A lot of meditation helps. Um, you know, I write down a lot of affirmations and, you know, follow my full moon. Not tonight, though. It's a toxic moon. It's a blood moon. We don't want nothing to do this moon tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, but just, just just, try to stay positive and then don't let one bad day or even one bad week determine the course of your entire business. And that's something that I struggle with. When we have a bad week, it yeah. destroys my whole month. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is uh, you know but uh, that's 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 what i could see i never stop trying and you know another thing you can always do is just ask don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to create demands of people of the people who are supposed to supposedly accountable to you um i always call the different agencies to see what's going on to ask for things that maybe they don't have or cannot provide but one day they can and they may call me back and be like you remember when you were interested in you ask if you have any train opportunities for your staff we have something you just ask don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to put yourself out there and um government is one thing private sector is also um another thing i get a lot of assistance from flu we all know flow. There are other private sector entities who will pick up the slap and who will assist you um, in ways the government may not. So you could always reach out to any one of them and see how you can do some sort of cross-marketing, especially if you have a certain amount of social collateral. You can do some sort of cross-marketing with them, cross-promotion, and they can, they can provide assistance because um, 
yeah, I'm very, I'm very grateful for Flo. I always have to give them that shout out for creating that arrangement with me and being very supportive of not only myself, but quite a few other creatives. I know there, there's uh, the photographers, wave makers as well that they support in the same vein and stuff like that. So yeah, you could also reach out to different private sector entities because everybody's trying to see how they can grow, right? You come with a good, fun, fresh idea. You'd be surprised how somebody just jump on that. Yeah. And where can we find you? Tell us your, all of your websites, all of your social media, your Twitter, and all of that good stuff. Okay, so Instagram is membet.bags, M-E-M-E-B-E-T-E dot bags. My website is www.membet.com. That's M-E-M-E-B-E-T-E. We do have an online store, and we do offer shipping. So you could always go on my online store and purchase. If you're in St. Lucia, we're on 46 Miku Street in Castries. That's our atelier and our flagship store. We're also at Harbor Club in Rodney Bay. We're also at The Landings in Grosley. And we're also at Cedar White in Tortola at Tortola Pier Park on Road Town. Road Town. Um, <clears throat> I hope I'm not missing one. Okay. There are a few in the pipeline soon to be that I can't talk, but I'm trying my best to spread things <clears throat> around. I'm going to Toronto in two weeks for a trade show that I'm looking forward to. And that is assisted by um, Carib Export, which is also another fantastic organization that any creative from the Caribbean needs to register with. They have a lot of opportunities and they provide quite a bit of the assistance that we need, the proper assistance, like business side of it. They have this diagnostic tool that takes forever to complete, but when you complete it, it will totally show you how much you're feeling in business and it shows you exactly where you need to pick up the slack. Um, so funded between Carib Export and a Trade Export Promotion Agency in St. Lucia. So um, three of us are going to um, Toronto for that. Um, so hopefully I will have, I'll be able to see next time. Oh, and you can be found in Canada in this store and that store. That would be fantastic. Brilliant. And one last thing, one final, final thing. Is there anything that you need? Is there anything that you're looking for? Collaborations, people to work with? You need support? I'm looking for PR. Yeah. I like a person, public relations, publicist person, because <clears throat> trying this influencer thing, it's not quite working out in my favor. I don't know if I'm choosing the wrong influencers, <clears throat> but just in terms of creating linkage, linkages overseas. Um, so I've been putting that out there for quite some time now that I'm looking for a nice young up-and-coming publicist who looking to grow be, together. If that me. would be one of our rare birds, birds of paradise, public relations. Lucia. Oh, really? Now? Yes, she's actually originally Lucia. See, I'll link that's the one you that's the one you emailed me about, right? Yes. So I will link. Yeah, that's the only person I actually. That's the only person I actually did not know. I know Nidia well from. I know Nidia well. Obviously, she's yeah. a Lucian, but I did not know of the. Okay. Yes, well, Ruti. Yeah, so you can put us, yeah, you can link us. Yeah. Ruti is amazing. Ruti is the founder of Birds of Paradise. Check it out, birdsofparadisepr.com. All right. She's originally, I believe, from St. Lucia, but she does a lot of things in the Virgin Islands. And what she does is she provides a full service PR agency that connects um, the Caribbean with the, the bigger world. So it's. Yeah, that's what I need. It's about have, she has presence in, I think she's in Miami. I know she's in LA. Mm. She's in the Caribbean. And she's young and she's hip and she's cool and all that good stuff. So everybody check out. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Her and her sister and another young, all Caribbean woman, all Caribbean woman building this amazing PR firm. So everybody check them out. And I will definitely put you in contact with. with Oh, okay. That'd be perfect. That would be perfect. I really appreciate that.
excellent. See, this is why we, one of the reasons I love. That's it. why we do these things, man. Yeah, because it's just bringing everybody together and everybody helping and working together. And I think that's it's that's true. Part. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest, number one. And thank you. I can't believe this podcast number seventy-two. That's amazing for you, though. I'm getting there slowly, slowly. I want to. Oh, that's amazing. My goal. I have. I have a goal. I need to get to 100 before before October. <laughs> oh my God! There, you have no shortage of people to want to jump on the, this podcast. Trust me. I hope not. So, if you're listening, yes. and you want to get featured on our podcast to inspire our lovely rare ones, please get on. But I really want to thank you for the work that you do. Um, I know it's very difficult trying to build brand Caribbean, a brand in the Caribbean and being recognized internationally. And it's very easy to give up. You know, you could have easily stayed in Europe and build your brand there. You could have gone to the US or London, it's true. Canada, but it's you, true. you chose St. Lucia. And I think people like yourself don't get enough recognition because it's really difficult to come home when you have possibilities and potential abroad so thank you for that thank you for this amazing brand and all the hard work that you do and i can't wait to see you on every every fashion every fashion show every yeah. everything because it's amazing so thank you so much all right and for yes we, de- we declare that up in the universe yeah and inspiring the next generation as well because i think the more people like yourself that stick around and do this younger people coming up see that they don't necessarily have to go away to be brilliant you can stay home and be brilliant yes this is true so very true so thank you so much and this was a lovely all right thank you and yes, to the lovely rare ones listening, I hope you've been inspired. You know where to find Tariba. You know where to find her information. Please reach out. Please get in contact. Look at all of her stuff. Follow her on social media. And more importantly, buy the bags. <laughs> buy the bags. Buy I actually had that on my Inst- I had that on my Instagram story. It said like small businesses don't need people don't we don't need funding. We just need you to actually buy the bags. Stop liking our photos and buy, you know? Buy That's what we need. Okay, and Mm -hmm. until next time. So thank you so much and bye for now.